Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. It's time for the Money Night Podcast with certified financial planner, Wade Chessman. Welcome in to the Money Night Podcast. I'm Wade Chessman, President and Wealth Advisor at Chessman Wealth Strategies. I'm not, I have no co-host again this week. I am by myself doing another business owner podcast. And this week, you know, we're going to do things a little bit different. I've interviewed different small business owners. Today, we're going to start to talk to someone who did start a business. It just happens to be a nonprofit organization here in Dallas. I thought it'd be really interesting to get his perspective on the business side of it, but also obviously the ministry side and what's going on. So I'm really excited today to have as our guest, Wayne Walker, the founder and executive director of Our Calling, a ministry serving the homeless in the Dallas area. Welcome in, Wayne. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a op- great opportunity just to catch up with you personally, and uh, <laughs> but also talk about what we get to do with our homeless friends. Yeah, I really appreciate that. It's funny because we're sitting here at my house because I usually, a lot of times we'll do these via Zoom and then Wayne just, I don't know what happened. And I, messed, I messed something up. He showed up in my office. Of course, we're not even in the office this week because we're having renovations done, but I did get a nice picture from Wayne giving me a, some a progress update. I haven't even been in there in like four days. So anyway, we're gonna make we're gonna make it work today. So we're sitting here in my uh, k- kitchen doing this podcast, which is kind of the amazing part of technology. So all right, well, Wayne, again, welcome. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you, your background, just a little bit about you, and then we'll get into more about our calling. Well, sure. Thanks again for having me. It's it's fun to talk about what we do. I don't like to talk about myself. So thanks well, for the most just, awkward question starting well, off Well, how about with. just a little bit about no, no, no. your background? Yeah, 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 sure. So I grew up in East Texas. So I'm an East Texas kid. Uh, Jacksonville is where I graduated high school, went to SFA, the Harvard of the South. Yeah. You know, I went to, I went um, to band camp there. Okay. I'm, everybody on the podcast is like, oh, wow, great. Go. Well, um, when I was a kid, my parents became foster parents. Mm-hmm. when I was about 10 years old. And we had 67 different kids come in and out of our house wow. over the years. So lots of kids from the worst backgrounds you can imagine, yeah. from abuse and you know, torture and all kinds of nasty stuff. And so they would come to our home and live with us. And some of them lived there for many, many years, some just a few nights. You know, it's just the way the foster care system works. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with broken homeless kids. And so I've been a kind of a big brother to homeless folks for all of my life. When my wife and I moved to Dallas uh, after SFA, we came intended to go to DTS. So we went to Dallas Seminary and, and initially we were going to go in the Middle East because hmm. we've been there many times before and served in lots of different areas and just fell in love with the homeless community here in Dallas. What we saw was a vacuum. So there's a lot of great resources for people in shelters. And in, in Dallas, we have six big shelters. Mm-hmm. And some of them are faith-based and do a lot of great discipleship opportunities. But for those that are not in shelters, there's really nothing. You know, a church may show up and pray for someone for two minutes, give them a sandwich and a pair of shoes. But the spiritual resources for those that are not in shelters is really lacking. And like any entrepreneur, right, if you really want to serve customers, you look for the biggest customer base, right? Right. We're not making a dime off these guys, but we still use a lot of those principles because 80% of the homeless population are not in shelters. Hmm. So if we really wanted to make the biggest bang to reach the most number of people for discipleship and evangelism, we're specifically looking at the unsheltered because it's the largest community. I mean, we work with 
more folks than really all the shelters combined. Really? Okay. So you're, you're at DTS, you're thinking about going to the Middle East, and then you said, no, I see a need. And then you just said, okay, I'm going to start my own deal from day one, or how did that happen? Well, so I was a software developer. I taught myself to code in college. That's how I paid for college Who and doesn't seminary. teach themselves to code? Yeah, I know. Everybody does. <laughs> but that was before YouTube, though. It's a little bit harder okay, now. I'm just easier now, I guess. But um, so while at seminary, you know, I started going down and feeding the homeless with Northwest Bible Church. That's yep. kind of where we started our roots from. And we were serving meals. And then you quickly realize when you go down and you serve meals, and everybody's done that, go downtown yeah. with some group and serve meals to the homeless community. You realize quickly they need a whole lot more than food. Mm-hmm. And they need a whole lot more than you just to show up once a week and kind of encourage them for 10 minutes and move to the next guy. You know, they really needed um, a whole new way to live. They needed hope. They needed mercy. They needed the hands of Christ on a daily basis. They also needed housing, right? So how do we work with people and try to help them to really develop into the man or woman God wants them to be? And so I was working at the seminary, actually. I took a job there because, again, it helped pay the bills. While I had a couple of other businesses I'd started on the side and and just started uh, getting more and more engaged with the homeless community and got to a point where I just knew we had to do this full time. Okay. And so late one night, I uh, gathered a, some friends together and said, hey, guys, let's do this thing. Let's start a nonprofit. And uh, here's kind of the idea. And here's the plan. And you guys will be the board members. And by the way, I'd like a job. So I'm going to ask you for a job. And we had to figure out how to raise support. And the first year um, in 2009, our budget was about $30,000. And 10 years later, 2019, our budget was $3 million. And so the Lord's really blessed uh, what we get to see every day in a lot of different ways. Now it's not just me and my wife and kids crawling under a van, uh, bridge in a van, but now we have 48 employees uh-huh. and um, with benefits and all the stuff. We operate a this year's a $4.5 million budget. And, you know, we've got a bunch of big projects we're working on. But like you said earlier, it's it's starting a non- nonprofit is starting a business. And it's right. the kind of entrepreneur part of it. And, you know, we see a lot of nonprofits. A lot of people have a lot of passion and vision, but they don't know how to really run an organization. Right. And so we've had to kind of learn some of those chops on the way. Right. I mean, in some ways, it's more challenging than a traditional business model because your customers, your clients, they're not paying. No, no, not at all. And, you know, the the fallacy is that, oh, it's a nonprofit, so people will give you tons of money. Well, that's really not true. So mm-hmm. any dollar, you know, if you donated to us last year, there's no guarantee you're going to donate to us this year. Right. And we actually have to earn that. We have to earn that trust. You know, you're in wealth management, right? Financial planning. Right. We have to earn that trust with someone that they would see fit to use some of the resources the Lord has given them and steward those funds to an organization that can turn around and say, well, this is what we did with the funds and show accountability and stewardship. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of the result, the things we're able to do because of your giving. And so our reporting to our donors, you know, from a wealth management perspective, some donors look at us like as the hedge fund, right? right. So they they gave us, you know, some money to deposit and wanted to see the outcome of that. What are the results? And so, you know, I'm a data guy. Uh, again, I come from a software background. So we track a lot of data. We track a lot of KPIs. And so we're always looking at dashboards and kind of the stuff that right. we do. And I'm also a systems guy. So we're developing all these different systems and procedures mm-hmm. uh, to be much more efficient in the way we share the gospel and the way we help people get off the streets. And we're able to see some amazing results because of this. Right. I mean, it really sounds like it's, the real, it's a real parallel. I mean, it's, it's, you're really, you are running a business. You started a business, you're running a business. In order to be effective, you've got to know, you have to have that business acumen 
in order to run the business successfully or it's just going to fall down upon itself. Yeah, but, the, but with any business, right, you'll always start with the why. Right, the why. Right? So why there's a huge need. And especially now when you drive around Dallas. After, oh, yeah, let's, okay. You Let know, me stop. Let's stop there. People everywhere. Yeah, so let's talk about it because I've been, you know, when I, this last year when we sent out our Christmas letter, I called, forget who I spoke to, somebody up there at our calling. And I said, you know, give me some stats and tell me what's going on. Because I, I think most people, we see the homeless problem. The, the only way we really see it is on the street corners. Yep. Which is gone. It seems like that's even exploded. But from ta hearing you talk and coming to events and things, I know that's just a small segment of the real homeless problem. But it does seem like Dallas has a super big homeless issue. We do. Can you, can you talk about that? Because I mean, I'm blown away by the need. I want to hear like what's going on here. So I'm a number nerd, so I'm going to go over some numbers real quick. Okay. First of all, Dallas has more people experiencing homelessness than any other city in the state of Texas. Okay. Now we're smaller than Houston and San Antonio, but we have more people that are homeless than both than either of those cities. Okay. We actually have more people experiencing homelessness than any other city in the South. So if you go Texas and you drive east to the Atlantic, we have more people experiencing homelessness in Dallas than any of those cities. Now, there's a lot of reasons behind that. Yeah, what the first thing to understand is our homeless population is really big. It's actually growing at a, if you do statistics and you look at the growth rate, we're actually growing faster. Our growth rate is faster than LA and New York. Now, we don't have near as many homeless folks as right, they do, but we right? we're growing faster. Either. But some of the reasons why we're growing is, you know, our economy is not doing too well right now, right? They just reported last month that our inflation rate is the highest it's been since 1992. So we've mm -hmm. got the highest inflation in 30 years. The Metroplex is the fastest growing Metroplex in the country. We know that. We've got 8 million people All now in the Metroplex. Around. Yeah. They're building a Starbucks on every corner, right? And right. an apartment building everywhere. And then you've got, you know, the other problems where all these suburb cities around Dallas don't have any infrastructure for the poor. Three weeks ago, I was in Colleyville touring a, a development with the mayor because uh, we're working on a project, you know, a housing project, and we're just looking at some of the way that they do walkability. But mm -hmm. anyway, I'm in there with the mayor, Joe, and I said, Joe, what what is what does your city do when you have people that are homeless? Oh, Wayne, we're we're a wealthy city. We've got people of prosperity. We don't have homeless folks. I'm come on, Joe. Every once in a while, you have homeless folks. What do you do with them? I knew the answer. I just wanted to hear him say it. Well, we rely on our partners in Dallas to really help us in that. So every city within really 100 miles of Dallas picks up every one of their people experiencing homelessness and poverty, and they drop them off in downtown Dallas. No. Now, this is not anecdotal. We see police cars from cities all over in our parking lot dropping people off. We have DART bringing people, Ubering people, taxis dropping people off, ambulances that will drop people off from hospitals in Greenville and Garland and Balt Springs and Arlington, just dropping them here. off in Dallas, right? Hmm. So our homeless population is growing, but numbers wise, this is what's scary. Two years ago, we were seeing about 15 new people a week. That means in one week, someone said those terrifying words for the first time, I'm homeless to one of our team members. Mm -hmm. So we track a lot of data, about 15 new people a week. Last week, we saw 102 new people in a week. In a week? In a week. Mm. And we saw 87 the week before, 55 the week before. We're on this upwards bell curve that we're growing up to, and somehow it's going to burst, but we're seeing more people become homeless, experience homelessness brand new every week than we've ever seen before. We've seen more new people January through April of this year than we did all of last year. Yeah. Now, last year, 
just for context, when COVID hit, all of our shelter partners closed their doors. They all went on lockdown and they only served the people inside. They wouldn't let anybody else come in for fear of exposure, right, right. for COVID. So we were really one of the only places in town that kept their doors open and people could still come. And our numbers just kept growing like crazy last year in 2020 with COVID. But even with the numbers exploding last year, we still seen more new people in the first four months of this year. We're processing more evictions in Dallas County right now than Harris County. Wow. Right. So our population is getting poorer. It's property values are going through the roof, which means rents are going up. You know, all the evictions, you know, just prices of a gallon of gas and a gallon of milk have gone up so much. It's just causing a big struggle. So it's not just the, hey, Wayne, why do I see more people under the bridge? But what you don't see is the people living in the neighborhoods, in the alleyways, in abandoned buildings, behind the Walmart, you know, all over the city. Right. Because like I was saying earlier, I think our our perception of the homeless is really the only ones we ever see is on the street corners. But I mean, from what I from what you've said in the past, that's just a small sliver. Right. And a lot of times that's not even the real problem. No. And that's the why. So that's why we exist. We exist to help those individuals that have nowhere to go. The unsheltered, the people that can't get into shelters. You know, Dallas, we have we used to have about 2,200 shelter beds throughout the whole city. Mm-hmm. Now, not including domestic violence, because that's a whole different category, we only have about 1,600 beds in the whole city. But we've gone down. Not we've gone down, yeah, because when you move beds six feet apart for COVID spacing, oh, yeah. right, you can fit less beds. So we've got less beds than we've had in probably 10 years, but many more times more people that need those beds. So, you know, when you tell somebody, hey, homeless guy, why don't you go get in a shelter? Well, the shelters really are full. Every single day, our team works with all the shelters in the area. They, we get a real-time, live, every morning count of how many available beds they have. The first 10 minutes we're open, we can fill all those beds. We'll have 500 people at our facility today, nowhere to send many of them. So what we've done is we've developed processes to send them to other places, not drop them off in other cities, but maybe even better options in a shelter. Can we get you into housing? Can you get you in a nursing home or a boarding home or a 12-step recovery program or a place for women that are victims of sexual exploitation? I won't get into the how so much, but I'll tell you this. We've gotten over 1,100 people off the street since January 1st, Hmm. which is pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, and it's just because of the process and the way, again, entrepreneurship, the way we develop and flex to the needs, the current needs, the way we track data, the way we continually evaluate what we're doing and how to do it better, and the way that we make strategic hires and strategic changes from a procedural standpoint with our staff, that this is the new abnormal we live in, right? And so how do we move forward in this economy with this problem? So what would you tell people? Because again, I think a lot of people, maybe even listening, don't have a real sense of the breadth and depth of the problem, especially if you live in North Dallas or drive around my neighborhood. You're not really going to see a lot of a lot of that yeah. kind of thing. You, it's a, you have a misconception. I mean, I don't even I guess what I'm asking is what should we be doing? What action can we take as just here little old Wade sitting on the sidelines? In 2019, it was reported that we had about 300,000 people living below the poverty level. It was also reported about the same time that we had 300,000 millionaires. That's really what we should be doing. We should be using these assets that the Lord has given us as a stewardship to really figure out how we can do what Jesus said, right? He said, love the Lord with all you got and love your neighbor as yourself, Mm -hmm. right? How do we love our neighbor? We don't love our neighbor by handing five bucks out our window, which, by the way, most of the people panhandling are not homeless. 
they're making 50 bucks an hour unless they're in well-populated wealthy areas they can make 100 bucks an hour um, most of them are not who we're targeting we're targeting the 65 year old guy who can't walk who's under the bridge and hasn't eaten in three days we're working with the mom who's living in her car with her kids that's why we exist right, right? so finding ways that you can strategically use the resources god has entrusted with you right just like an investment right financially investing it in kingdom work to really help move the ball and make a difference and really change people's lives right there's so many you know needs out there in the world and in the community but you know there's a special calling for homeless right the bible talks about that tell me a little bit about that yeah throughout scripture right god's calling us to take care of the poor in the old testament God's people, the Hebrews, were commanded to only plow their fields in a circle and leave the corners for poor people to come get, right? right? In uh, the New Testament, Paul, the only time he ever raised money wasn't building a new church, right? He wasn't raising money to go on a mission trip. Uh, he was raising money for the people, the poor people in Jerusalem because of a famine to take care of those people, right? Throughout scripture, we are commanded, if you read the whole book of Proverbs, there's a lot of it in there about taking care of Solomon, wrote to his sons about taking care of the poor. We are commanded to reach out and love our neighbors well. And it's, it's those individuals that grew up in South Dallas or the suburbs who've been now transported into Dallas who have no connectivity. You know, the definition of homelessness is really a disconnection. Mm -hmm. You're not just disconnected from money. You're disconnected from not just a job and a house. You're disconnected from family. Right, because they don't, they don't have any fallback. They it's the any, catastrophic yeah. breakdown of the family, right? It's, it's, you don't have a friend that can show up when, you, when you're struggling. You, you don't have someone to call on when you're hurt. Mm -hmm. And it's in that community that so much crime exists because people are preying on the poor, right? So Romans 1, not only are we taking care of the sins going crazy and we're inventing new ways to do it, but you know we're, we're doing that to people that have no other option. So that's why every day we also right in the middle of human trafficking, sex trafficking, and domestic violence every single day. It's these men and women who are being exploited. Hmm. It's the 17-year-old kid that got out of foster care who's being recruited by a sex trafficker that we're working with. And then we're also working with the 55-year-old woman who's lived that lifestyle for 30 years. She's never gonna get a job at Starbucks. She's got so much pain and torment and scars physically and emotionally and spiritually mm -hmm. that she really needs the body of Christ to love her the way we would love our own parents, right? How would you take care of your mom, right? You wanna see her in a healthy environment where she can really grow and flourish. And so when we're trying to even take people and get them off the streets, we're trying to get them into healthy environments where they can grow and they can flourish and they can be discipled and they can get safety and they can really get the kind of ICU services they need. Mm -hmm. Therapeutic support, medical support, mental health care support, you know, and then really we want to see people grow in a, in a faith community the rest of their lives. Awesome. Let me ask you a few more questions. So obviously the need's great. You guys are out there. You know, this podcast is a little more focused on the, uh, the business side of things, but you know, obviously your business and your ministry, they're, they're one and the same, but you run the ministry as a, sounds like a pretty well-oiled machine so you could be the most effective in living out your mission. Well, we've like got, any business. yeah, we've got a few different business principles and, uh, you know, we, def, depending on what camp we at, we're at in money management, but my wife and I were in serious debt going through seminary 
And uh, we did Crown Financial, then right. we did Dave Ramsey, and we've applied a bunch of those principles to our personal lives and now to here. So we operate 100% debt-free at our calling. Right, I knew you did. We raise the money and then we do the thing. So many of our peer agencies have all these notes they're paying, you know, all this debt service. But we, we, we really believe that the Lord will provide before. And so we'll raise the money to hire someone and then hire them, not right. just hope we can, you know, raise right. the funds for it. So as we're working on these big projects, it's a, it's with fundraising, it's business principles and the way we treat our employees. We use the traction system. We use EOS and the way we manage our. That comes up every single yeah. time I do this podcast. We use EOS, yep. Jessman, and we actually had an interview. Uh, one of our podcasts, if you guys want to learn more about it. It's with our EOS implementer. So you guys have rocks and you have all yeah, the same Yeah, we thing. have L10 meetings. Yeah, yeah a- absolutely. So right? I mean, it's the same exact concept. Yep. It's just your clients, if you will, are the homeless. Well, just, you know, from a business perspective. So in three years, we will have 300 people in housing. Right now we have zero people in housing, right? In three years, we're going to have 15 more street outreach teams out there, right. right? So what we do with EOS is we break up those three years into, you know, quarters. What are you doing over the next 90 days? And you build your rocks out for it. So just like a business would say, hey, we want to build a franchise somewhere else. What we're doing is saying, how do we build another our calling on Harry Hines as an outreach center Mm -hmm. for women that are being sexually exploited? How are we fundraising and moving our team strategically for hiring and, and all the different pieces to build housing for the homeless? And how do we bite those pieces off in a structured way that allows us to actually set goals and reach goals? That's awesome. So let's talk about some of the, maybe some of the, what have been some of the low points during your time at Our Calling and maybe some of the high points? Well, you know, I talk to people that are starting nonprofits all the time because I feel like everybody wants to start one and I tell them, beg them not to. Um, you know, when we were starting, and again, I'll use the word you used earlier as an entrepreneur, and I think a lot of new business guys that start new, men and women that start new businesses do this, is they probably run a little bit too fast. Right. Too fast for their family and their capacity, right? So I know personally, even me and, you know, the world calls me pastor, but but the most important people call me dad and call me right. husband, right? That as we started many years, I was working so many hours that I know it caused damage to my wife and my kids and my mm-hmm. relationship with them. And they, my, my kids were babies when we're crawling under bridges, you know, and one day they'll be sitting on Dr. Phil telling these horrible stories, you know, <laughs> of what their parents exposed them to. But I would say the darkest times are times when we we didn't have the support we needed emotionally and spiritually right. and physically from people. You know, people say they'll pray for us. But people that actually come and sit down and ask how we're doing. I mean, one of my best friends uh, is a donor that when we sit down and have lunch together, he doesn't ask me about KPIs. He doesn't ask me how many people came to Christ. He doesn't ask me how many people got off the streets. He asked me, how's your wife? How's your relationship with your kids? You know, how's your time with the Lord? So those darkest times are probably times where I didn't have the accountability that I really needed. And, you know, people listening to this, People that run nonprofits need the same support as people that run businesses. Right. So you think about the executive coaching that you would get in a business. Those are the things if you're serving a nonprofit or you want to be on a board, you are not there to critique a director of an organization for some dog and pony show for them to impress you every time y'all meet together. You're there to be their support. You're there to be their cheerleader, come beside them, teach them what you know, mentor them, you know, challenge them. Yes, but to really help lift their arms up, right? As Aaron did to Moses. Those have been some of probably the most challenging times. Also, 
in our line of work, we're exposed to a lot of what we call secondary trauma. So, you know, we, we know lots of people that die on the streets. When yeah. our teams are out, we find bodies, we find all kinds of horrible situations. Mm. We know lots of people that get hurt in horrible ways. And so when you're helping people that are traumatized, sometimes it can rub off on you, right? That's called secondary trauma. So about two and a half years ago, we developed a very extensive care plan for all of our employees. So we do trauma-informed care training. We do trauma support groups. We have a, um, a chaplain on staff just for our staff who really is there to help. He's a retired counselor. We pay for mental health care for our staff and counseling for them. It's really the, you know, another dark area is, is just the spiritual warfare and right. how that rubs off on us and how we care for our employees as they're dealing with stuff with their own families and their own kids. Okay, so, man, that's, that's a lot to deal with. Um, talk about some of the, like, the highlights. Watching people get off the streets. Yeah. Watching people reunite with their families. Watching people for the first time recognize that they really are loved and they really do have value. Mm. And, you know, the the highlights, we've got almost 1,200 people off the street since January 1st. That's amazing. Every single one of those is a story of redemption. And, and you know, it's there's a lot of people we serve that we know, know the Lord, love the Lord, and they're just struggling and we just can't right. put the pieces together. You know, when we were running the convention center, right? So... It was freezing. We were running out of space at our facility. This is Snowmageddon. Yeah. So I called the city and said, hey, dad, let me borrow the keys to the car. I promise I won't wreck it. Yeah. I was asking the city for the keys to the convention center. Right. And we went over there with about 200 homeless friends. And by the end of the week, we had 1,300, right? So we had this huge section for men. We had this huge section for women. And then we had the special needs section, section for people that had nowhere else to go. People that couldn't feed themselves, mm. maybe couldn't get up and go to the bathroom on their own people that had cancer, people that had all kinds of different physical health challenges, some mentally, some emotionally, that needed a really a nursing home, right? And so to me, some of the dark parts are seeing the reality of the challenges and how there is no option for some of these individuals. Where the high side of the job is when I get to see that we actually can fix this, right. that we actually have a plan and a strategy in place that we actually can do this and see people living in a flourishing, thriving, healthy community. All right. And so it's you know, sometimes the darkest things lead to the brightest right. things. If someone was interested in learning more about our calling and how they can help and partner up with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Well, you know, we're always going to say go to the website, ourcalling.org, or download our app. So you go to the app store and search for Our Calling, and it works all over the country. It's being used 50,000 times a day for people to find shelters all over the country. But really, when, when you talk about, you know, what you're doing and probably who's listening to this podcast are people that probably think a little bit more strategically, right? They're not just looking for a website to go do donate 10 right. bucks, which we'd love to have, but we would love to engage anyone that wants to figure out, you know, how to be much more strategically involved in their investments into a ministry. So I would encourage, you know, more than just going to our website or bringing your family down to volunteer or downloading our website, shoot us an email at development at ourcalling.org or, you know, find a way through this podcast to connect to me. I'd love to have a cup of coffee with you or one some a member from our team would love to as well to figure out, you know, how you and your family could be strategically invested in serving the least of these and doing what Jesus said to love your neighbor as yourself. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, it was really fascinating convicting, also kind of sad in, in some ways, just to know the need out there. But at the same time, there are things we can do. You know, we talk about that a lot in financial planning. There's a lot of issues out there and 
can be somewhat overwhelming, but there are things you can do. Same thing with that. There's a huge problem. There's a huge need. It's not hard to find. It's not the ones on the street corner. It's the people that you don't even see. It's that's the huge problem, but there, it's not a problem that can't be at least, I don't want to say fixed, but there are things that we can do to make a difference. There is, but those things are going to take some serious courage and some serious sacrifice. Right. There is not enough housing. There is not enough shelter beds. There are not enough resources. And so it's going to require believers to get engaged in a way maybe they've never engaged before. But together, we can do some amazing kingdom work. That's awesome. Thanks, Wayne. Appreciate you being a part of the podcast. And don't hesitate to reach out to me. If you guys have questions, I'll direct you to the right spot. Signing off for today. Thank you so much. The opinions voiced in Money Night with Wade Chessman are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy assures success or protects against loss. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Guests on Monday night are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor.